So when it comes time uh, to think about the enemies for a moment, think about how at times we spend an enormous amount of time uh, racing something through our head, maybe some attack that it took place, maybe it was something happened in the family, uh, maybe someone uh, said something, did something, or uh, we've watched uh, Fox News way too much and we feel like we're all being attacked and uh, you know, you, you kind of let that stuff race around your head and think about the energy that you spend on thinking about things that you can do nothing about at times. And you can waste an enormous amount of energy on things like that. And so by people's plans or their actions or their words, uh, it, it can really become a, a defeatist kind of situation. I'm reading a book right now called The Devil in the Seventh Pew. And this pastor, early in his years in his ministry, was in the North Carolina area, and Settlerstown was the area that he was in. And one of the members of the church just took a disliking to him. And uh, this member had taken such a disliking to the pastor that uh, he began setting off dynamite near his house and making explosions and blowing things up. And uh, I mean, it was just insane what started to happen to this man. But the one thing that he did is he stood his ground and he decided not to retaliate. And he decided that he was going to continue to love the people and stay there and continue to work through all of this. And he had a wife and he had children and uh, this man was just persistent in what he was doing. And he uh, came to that home a fourth time. They even brought in the ATF and they brought in, uh, they brought in uh, uh, the FBI and uh, other uh, police departments. And this was in the early years, 70s, uh, that this was all taking place. And this gentleman's name that was taking the attack uh, to the pastor, his name was Mr. Watts. And this is a true story, by the way. And this really happened to this man. But one of the things that he chose to do is to take that to the Lord. And I'm certain that there are times where he wanted to retaliate. And uh, I'm not going to share the end of the book unless you want to read it. So, uh, but there are times where you want to retaliate against someone. And yet this pastor chose not to do that. And consider for a moment, if we would turn our enemies over to the Lord, and regardless of their divisive plots, regardless of what they're thinking or what their words are, their actions are, that we turn them over to the Lord. And I, I began to think, even in their angry words or their dominating uh, words, that we turn those over to God. And the reason that I share that with you is because I believe the devil uses situations just like what I just mentioned to you to really get us off track at times. He'll use things to cause our mind to go away from God. The Bible calls him an old serpent, and I believe his tactics have never changed. And his biggest tactic is this. If he can distract, especially Christians, from the work of the Lord, whether that be physical or spiritual, if he can do that, he's in the business of accomplishing that. He wants to accomplish that in any local church. The Bible says of him in Revelation 12, 9, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he's out to deceive and be deceitful. And when we get into a battle with the enemy, we're not allowing God to overtake the situation. But I thought about it this way. We're not allowing God to overtake it, but what we do is we try to undertake it, don't we? And we begin to get underneath that thing, and that thing just starts to beat on us. And instead of really allowing God to overtake it and help us overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and His Word and all the things that He teaches us about how to overcome the enemy, we try to take the enemy on. Regardless of what the Scriptures say, all of us as Christians have been guilty of that at some point or another in our lives. And what we find Nehemiah doing is just the opposite. In fact, he said God brought their counsel to naught. <laughs> In fact, what he said is we, we took it to our God and we prayed under our God and we put our hands to the work. We kept going back to what we knew was most important. 
So our best plan of attack is to submit to the Lord. Our best plan of attack is just to submit to the Lord. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he shall what? Flee from you. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? Think about that plan of attack. That is God's plan. And we need to submit ourselves to him, resist the devil. And by the way, the devil's in the business of getting you stirred up over things that sometimes don't even matter. And I challenge you in your hearts to consider this tonight. Do you allow the enemies of this world to distract you from the work of the Lord? So God would have each of us to turn over our enemies to him, turn our lives over to him, and stay focused on the work that's set before us. And I believe that was the challenge that Nehemiah was faced with. And when you read about Nehemiah, he was an incredible leader. (laughs) He was an incredible leader used of God. And, And to accomplish what he accomplished in such a short period of time, was he liked by the enemy? No, absolutely not. Did they really want to see that wall go up? No, they didn't. <laughs> and the enemy wanted to destroy that. In fact, it created havoc on the inside as well because we even see Judah speaking up at one point and he says, the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. We can't handle this anymore. We, we can't handle what's going on. And so what happens is, is that they believe from the attacks from the outside that they can weaken the inside. And when the inside becomes weak, the weakest link begins to give way. And when it does, it begins to cause things to fall apart. (laughs) And when things begin to fall apart, what we need to do is strengthen our resolve by the power of God and by the will of God. And what we see here is that I believe by faith as a child of God, one of the things we have to trust him about is that he confounds the enemy. He can confound the enemy. He can cause them to become confused. (laughs) And I look today and I'm wondering if our enemies are just not confused. And and the thing of it is, is the devil is running rampant in the world today. And by the way, if you think that not to be true, just read Ephesians chapter (laughs) 6. And the reality is, is that he is real and that he is causing trouble. And if he can stir things up and he can stir things up in the world and he can stir things up in God's church, he's going to do that. And so our challenge is to keep our focus upon the Lord. And one of the things you must always remember is God always overcomes his enemies. God always overcomes his enemies. In fact, it tells us in Colossians that he triumphed over Satan openly. He already has defeated Satan. And what happens is, is the tactics of Satan are to now try to get God's people off track and to get them distracted and deterred from focusing on God. And so what we have to do in the midst of the work sometimes is to put all those things aside and get focused on the Lord. And here's the thing. I believe most of all, God wants us to trust him in the face of the enemy. God wants us to trust him in the face of the enemy. And we'll see how Nehemiah fulfilled that. The Lord confounds his enemy. I believe what became known unto God's people was the plan that Sambalot and Tobiah and others had plotted against the children of Israel to cause the work to cease. They wanted them to stop doing what they're doing. Now I want to challenge you tonight. I'm going to make a phone call tomorrow over to Fort Laramie. And I have been praying a long time about going into Fort Laramie to one, not only reach that area, but to get another bus route started. And uh, I've been praying about it. God's laid that heavily on my heart. And as I started to pursue that in recent days, I've gotten word that we're not allowed to go over there to, quote, solicit. (laughs) And so we have to get approval now. How many of you will pray tonight that God will help us overcome that enemy? We need to get into Fort Laramie. We need to win souls to Christ over there. 
We need to win people to Jesus Christ. And listen, the world wants to stop the message of Jesus Christ from going out. And so they'll get committees and councils and everything together that they can to stop things from happening. When I was in Northern Virginia, one of the things that would happen to us, you'd go in and the homeowners association would put signs up on the street saying, you can't come in. And the only thing I realized is if I got to know one family inside that uh, place, I could get in. And then whenever we would get in, they couldn't kick us out at that point because we knew someone. And the thing of it is, is God can tear down the walls and we need him to do this for us as we go over here. Listen, the devil is our enemy, and I believe he uses those principalities and powers of the world to detract and deter Christians from remaining faithful in the work. What can happen to us is we can say, well, we just don't want to get in trouble. No, I think we just need to call the town and say, here's what we're going to do. We're inviting children to come to church. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Ephesians 6.12 said that the, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, that is real. It really exists. And so that is God's enemy. What we need to do is pray and follow the law and do what's right. But the fact is, is we need to pray and seek God in this. The enemy of the workers was not that God had not provided them with what they needed. We have all the material we need. We have everything we need to go into Fort Laramie to win the loss to Christ. We're not lacking anything. God just needs manpower to go over and do it, and we need that door open so we can get in over there. And the fact is, is that he's given us everything he need, we need. He gave Nehemiah everything he needed to get this wall built. He gave him all the tools and all the necessary people and gave him all the stuff that he needed. And he came by the king and it was given unto them. And I think there's something to be said about that. It was given by the king unto them to be able to go in and do this. Now, this is the reason we're to be nourished up in the words of faith, submitting ourselves to God daily. Why? Because the devil's tactics have not changed and he will not quit. He will not quit until he's cast into the lake of fire. He'll continually try to thwart the work of God. So if you are to have the necessary resolve to overcome the attacks of the enemy, whether that's physical or spiritual, then we've got to trust God, that God will bring their counsel to naught. I begin to think about when I'm watching some of the things that are unfolding uh, before our eyes in our uh, White House and in the Senate and in the House and uh, the judicial system in our country and to watch people just berating the streets and rioting. And, and you think about how the Bible speaks of all of those things and the uprisings. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20, let no man deceive himself. For if any man among you seemeth uh, to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. How many of you have seen the attacks come on Jim Jordan as a play? Anybody see that? Anybody hear about it? How many of you know who Jim Jordan is? And, and he's here in our fourth district, and Jim Jordan's a wonderful man, and I know him personally. And, and the thing of it is, is I've had him in my office, and the thing that he wanted to do was sit down, and he wanted to talk about the book of Ezekiel. He had a Sunday school class to teach. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ, and what they've done is try to scurry up some kind of information from 1986 to try to bring back to the future because he's making headway on what's really going wrong in Washington, D.C. So they have to do something to discredit this man. And I do believe he's innocent of what they're talking about because he really has no uh, say in it whatsoever and there's no record of anything. And he's even had people from the college come out uh, for him on this subject matter. And if you think the devil's not busy, he is. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he that taketh the wise, uh, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. How many of you have 
watch just things unfold and you think, man, this is going to go wrong for our president now. And it seems to turn the corner for him every time. And I believe a lot of times when man goes against God's authority, the one he's placed in authority and people go against that, the fact is, is that if he's not doing anything wrong, he's there on our behalf and there's nothing wrong with pointing out wrong. But there is something wrong with about personal attacks and character assassination. And the thing of it is, is we see that happening in our nation today. But I believe God confounds the enemy. This took faith. And this is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ to overcome their plans. The devil's hard at work to cause you and your family to fail, to fall. But I think what we have to do is we have to count on the Lord to dissolve and defeat their plans and their purpose. And we do that by faith. We trust that God's going to overcome the enemy in whatever way he chooses. And here's what we have to do. We have to have faith that the Lord's in control. And I think sometimes we forget that God's in control and we think we need to have to take control. Let me bring it down to your home at times. There are times where we feel like we have to be almost dictatorial in nature or we have to take a strong hand at something and we forget the power of God in our homes and in our own lives. And we forget that, that God can help us overcome a lot of things. And here's the idea behind this. We are clearly told by Nehemiah that in the face of the enemy, here's what he said. God had brought their counsel to naught. He brought their counsel to nothing. He did it. God is capable. Is God able? <laughs> Absolutely he is. God is able. He's able to overcome what's happening. So what we are challenged with in the face of adversity is not to give in to defeatist talk or defeatist attitude. And listen, we could talk ourselves into being defeated. How many agree with that tonight? How many of you can agree, I've talked myself into defeat? Huh? I looked at my kitchen cabinets and my wife said, we need to redo these cabinets. And I talked myself into defeat until I went over to Lowe's and found out those cabinets were going to cost 10 grand. I talked myself back into buying stain. Amen? Huh? It was a lot cheaper to sand and stain than it was to do that. Now, I walked out there the other day and we've got them stained. And uh, I was feeling defeated until we got to the point that we are now. I still have six doors to hang. Pray for me, please. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that we can allow anything to defeat us, can't we? We can allow that defeatist attitude to enter into our lives and to cause us to drift away from God and his truth. And God can confound the enemy and he'll bring their counsel to naught. And listen, we can even cause ourselves to come to the place where we face and want to allow ourselves to become defeated. That's Satan whispering in your ear at times because he can't get in you because if you're saved, amen, the, 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 the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of Satan cannot house the same body. So the only thing he can do is whisper in your ear to detract you and distract you. And listen, you need to stop listening to him. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I want to challenge you tonight just to really consider this. What they were challenged with in the face of adversity was uh, to overcome that defeatist talk. And here's what happened. Here's what Nehemiah said. Returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. They went back to work. They went back to doing what they knew was right. <laughs> they didn't allow that defeatist attitude. So what we're to do is remain focused on the work, focus on the Lord, not focus on what the enemy's doing to try to detract us. We cannot allow our hearts, and this works specifically here at Calvary, to be defeated. We have to stand up for what we believe in, and that is, is that we believe in getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. And we have to stand for that. We need to take that into our community. God's plan to overcome the enemy, verses 16 through 19. He begins to unfold his plan of how to overcome this. <laughs> and the plan of God what is, is that his people would arm themselves. And by the way, 
I believe that's another proof for the Second Amendment. Amen? <laughs> God's people ought to arm themselves. And I look at this and I see that our Second Amendment right lifted up there. But the work continued, but not without the Lord's people being on guard. And here's what I want to challenge you. What does it mean for me today to be on guard? Is it really that I'm standing outside my house with a uh, 30-30? Or is it really that I'm getting on my knees in prayer? And I'm on watch. And I believe there's three watches at least described in the scriptures very clearly. And am I being on watch? Am I being on guard for my God? Am I spending time, quality time in prayer, not just asking God not to go with him with the gimmies, but to go with him with, Lord, watch our nation, protect our nation. Amen? God, help me to be the Christian that I need to be to win the lost turning to our God and really focusing on those things that are most important to him. Have you ever asked God, God, what's important to you? <laughs> In our prayer time, a lot of times we go to God and we're careful to really tell him what's important to us. But have you ever stopped for a moment and say, God, what's important to you? Do you know what I believe the most important thing is to my God? Is the salvation of souls. <laughs> souls matter to him because that's what his son died for. And I believe with all of my heart, when is the last time we've knelt and said, God, help me to fulfill what's most important to you. This day, Lord, help me to fulfill what is most important to you. Nehemiah, I think he pulled these workers together and he put them on the work and he put them on watch and he encouraged the rulers and the rulers got there and they supported him. And uh, one of the things that matters is that our, our rulers in our nation Stick to truth. We need to stick to the Constitution God gave us. Don't you believe that? Our rulers need to stick to that. And when you look at it, you can pick up the phone. And here's the challenge that I have for you tonight about Jim Jordan. When I talked to him today, he said that 90, more than 90% of the calls that are coming into his office right now, people are cursing, screaming, and yelling at the staff. And I can give you the phone number down to D.C. All you got to do is click on it. You find the no phone number to his office there if you go online. Call down there. Pick up the phone and call down there. And tell the staff or whomever you speak to, I just want to let you know, tell Jim we're praying for him. Do you know what a difference that would make in that man's life and the members of that staff down there? And all it costs you is a moment in time to pick up a telephone and call him. <laughs> And just say, hey, listen, we just want you to know we're praying for you. You imagine how far that would go when the calls they're receiving is that of cursing and yelling and screaming. And you could pick up the phone as a Christian and say, just want to let Congressman Jordan know we're praying for him. And anybody there that needs prayer, just let them know that we have you in our prayers. And truly, pray about it. Pray about it. Don't just tell him. Make sure you fulfill it. As I think about how these workers were encouraged... The plan of God brings unity to a work. I believe that with all my heart. The plan of God brings unity to a work, and we can see that happening here. And even in the face of adversity, following God's plans, regardless of the naysayers, his plans will prevail. They will not fail. One day, that real trumpet is going to sound. I think this is an example to us here when Nehemiah says, Hey, listen, let's all line up. We're far separated one from another, and we'll sound the trumpet. Do you know why? Because that way we can come together. I want to tell you one day, that trumpet's going to sound, and we're all going to be together. Amen? And we're all going to be in heaven together. And I think that's a perfect example of God letting us know things of the future yet, even in this message of a wall being built 
in the days of Jerusalem here. And we look at this, and God's house is important. And I believe whether maintaining, upgrading, decorating, or soul winning, it's important that we maintain the house of God. And it's important that we pray in the house of God. And it's important that we come together in the house of God. And it's important that we do the things according to his word and according to his will. When I look at this, this is a building, and yet it's the Lord's building. And I believe God's house always ought to be the nice-looking house on the block. I believe that with all my heart. When I go through the scriptures, I see many, many times where they took great care in, in making sure that God's house was very noticeable. It was the most noticeable thing on the block. And I think we ought to do everything we can to make that happen. And then I think we ought to arm ourselves. And you know what we ought to arm ourselves with? A sword. <laughs> you know what that sword is? It's right here. This is the sword we ought to arm ourselves with. We don't need a physical sword. We need the sword of the Spirit. We need to be able to take this out into that community and let them know, hey, listen, we're taking care of what God's given us, but we also want to let you know that we love you, but Jesus Christ loves you more. And the fact is, is we're out here to tell you that Jesus Christ saves. By the way, religion is not going to save a soul. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone, and you know that. And the fact is, is that's what we're doing. And when we take this out in our community, we're letting them know this is where the power lies. And this is what we want to do in this church, sharing the truth of the gospel and God's plan. And I believe the community sees the condition of the Lord's house. And I think it's important that the testimony back to that community is, is we love the Lord and we are grateful for what God has given to us. And we want to take great care in everything that God provides us. And I believe that's what's happening here with Jerusalem. Our work then is going into the community and reaching the people. And by the way, Satan is not encouraged for us to go out there and try to reach people with the gospel. I want to tell you that these folks, the Sambalot and Tobiah and the Ammonites, these folks were not happy that Nehemiah rolled into town. They were not happy that he had come in and was trying to rebuild this wall. And they were not happy that they could see that God's hand was upon the project. And they were not happy to see that God's counsel brought their counsel to naught. And they were unhappy to see that these folks were excited about getting back to work for God. And they weren't excited about it. And I want to tell you something. There is a community out there that may not be excited about Calvary Chapel being here, but we ought to be excited about Calvary Chapel being here. And we ought to go out and tell the community, this is a place that's preaching the truth of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus loves you. And if you don't get saved, you will die and go to an eternal hell, but you don't have to live there for eternity. You can trust Jesus Christ now as your Savior. And by the way, they're not going to get it after they die. they got to get it now. And God is using this facility for the last 49 years. By the way, this Sunday is our 49th anniversary. 49 years God has used this church to do just that. And what we need to do is have some resolve about us and say, hey, listen, we're not going to let it stop. We're going to make it, and we're going to forge ahead, and we're going to do what God has called us to do, and we're going to go win the loss to the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked Vicki today, I said, would you please pray? I'm going to try to get a hold of Todd Wygan again. I called him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I said I was just praying for him. He was in the, he was in the uh, doctor's office, and he said, what made you want to pray for me? I said, I have no idea. I said, you just came on my heart, and I said, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. He had had uh, his blood pressure spiked again, and, and he's having trouble with his heart. I gave him that book done from Brother Kerry Schmidt. How many of you have seen that book? I want to encourage you, pray for this man. He needs to get saved, amen? And I'm asking God to open that door for me to win him to Jesus Christ. 
He may have religion, and he may live in this town all his life, and he may know people, and he may have finances, but what he doesn't have is what he really needs, and he needs Jesus Christ. And I want you to pray that way. I'm praying the same way for Wally Wagner. Pray for him. Don't pray that we don't. Pray that we do. Amen. Pray that we reach him with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's my challenge to you tonight with this. Our work when going out into the community is reach the lost. You know, when you think about it, it seems kind of odd that you would just go out and knock on someone's door and take out a track and <laughs> hand it to them and start talking to, their, to them about their life eternal. Amen. Seems a little weird, doesn't it? Why, why would we do something like that? Why, why do you challenge us to do that, Pastor? Because the Bible says they went out two and two, amen? And they went out, and they went out, and they told people about Jesus Christ. And when the people rejected, Jesus said, hey, listen, just dust your feet off and go on to the next one. And the fact is, is that that's God's plan. And I, I began to think about God's plan for things. And God's plan was to spread out the workers. And I think God's plan was to spread out the workers all across the United States, all across the world. We pay uh, uh, monthly uh, payments out to missionaries. We donate money so that they can go and do the very same thing that we're doing. Hey, listen, God spread us out. But one day, that trumpet's going to sound. And every one of those missionaries in every church in the United States that is preaching the gospel, and those that are saved will all come together. We won't be separated anymore, will we? And when that trumpet sounds, we're going to come together. And when I looked at this, I said, this is the plan of God. This is the plan of God for getting this wall rebuilt. This is the plan of God for reaching out to those folks and letting them know God's in control. And when I read the scriptures, I'm saying, what kind of a plan is this that we're just going to take this little pamphlet and it's got these words written on it that come from this book? And how is that going to help anybody? Well, it's the power of God. It's God's plan, isn't it? When I look into the scriptures and the Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. He's got a different plan, doesn't he? And we can use all kinds of things. We can use monitors and screens and we can use uh, tactics and uh, we can encourage people. Hey, we can give away Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Say amen. Anybody offering up the money for one of those? <laughs> we can do all kinds of things. But without Christ, it doesn't matter. You can draw a crowd. But what we want to do is win the lost when we draw the crowd. And the thing of it is, we can come up with all these advertising schemes and plans. And they're good. And I love our tracks. And I mean, they're beautiful. They're nice. But the fact is, is they're useless without the power of God behind them. And what we have to do is we have to pray. We're going out Saturday. We're going to go knock some doors on Saturday. We're going to try to reach some households. And listen, you say, it's just vacation Bible time, preacher. You're just going to get some little kids to come to church. No. No, if that's what's in our mind, we've messed it up. If what's in our mind is there's a family in that household that needs Jesus Christ, and we want to reach that family, because, listen, the bus ministry is a means to the end. The bus ministry is for the purpose of reaching the kids that we might get in the house. And then we might win the mother or the father or both or that we might win that grandmother, or that we might get in that home. And so Vacation Bible Time is not just about the kids. It's another opportunity for Calvary to go out and fulfill God's plan to win the lost.
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Now, you say, preacher, I don't know how that's going to do anything. Well, if God's in it, and it's God's word, and it's God's plan, God will not fail. His plans will overcome the enemy. And I challenge you to get involved with this vacation Bible kind. To overcome the enemy, God's plans, all that we possess, all that the Lord has given us, let's go out and do it with great, great, great tenacity. Let's go do it with a spirit of, we're enjoying this. We want to win the lost. We want to see souls come to Christ. I share with you this. This is the plan of God to overcome and defeat the enemy. His testimony of his people maintaining his house and the power of the cross preached, overcoming the enemy. Listen, just avoid the distractions of the world. We'll go out and we'll go to a house and somebody will say, get out of my yard. <laughs> one of the things that happened to me one time I was going out. Brother Williams was my soul winning partner. We were going door to door and, and uh, I was excited. And Brother Williams and I are out and we started to walk up this driveway. And a guy was standing outside. It was back in the day when you had house phones that were this big, you know what I mean? And they were the cordless phones, you know, they were like big bricks like this. He's standing there talking on the phone. I saw him had a glass of something in the other hand and he shut the phone off and I walked up to him and I, I said, sir, I said, uh, I'm from uh, Loudon Baptist Temple. I said, we just came by to say hello. Uh, we're having a revival this week. want to invite you to church. The guy looked at me and he said, get out of here. I hate you people. I said, sir, I said, I'm sorry about that. I said, can I leave this with you? You don't leave anything with me. He said, uh, well, uh, I, I looked at him. I said, well, could, could we pray with you about something? He said, get off my lawn. You know what we did? Went next door. Knocked on the door. And ask those folks if they'd like to come. I can't control what that man does. But I can control my attitude and my spirit. And I can just simply dust my feet off and go to the next one. You know, I believe if that man never gets saved, he's going to remember that day whenever the gospel came to his doorstep. I believe that will be drawn to his attention. And the fact is, is that we can't get upset at people at how they respond to the gospel it's not our plan, it's God's plan, amen? And what we need to do is take the gospel to the people and say, hey, here it is. It doesn't matter what their religious background is, and I don't care how long they've been a religious person, and I don't care how long they've been in some religious church. They need Jesus Christ to save their soul. And what we have to do is have the boldness, and boldness is not aggression, boldness to speak the word of God. And we can do it in a spirit of meekness, but we have to be bold about being willing to speak up and say something about Jesus Christ. And what is it? Use God's plan to defeat the enemy. That's how we overcome it. The last thought is this. We just have to trust him. We have to trust him in it. When I look at verses 20 through 23, he said, so we labored in the work. That took trust to continue to labor in the work. <laughs> they had to trust God. They just went on with it. They had to trust the Lord that was going to take care of these things and the plan that God had given Nehemiah and how he set it up and how he did all those things. He said, here's how we're going to go about it. Here's how we're going to watch over the work and we're going to do the work and we're going to keep at it. It took trust to do this, and so we labored in the work. We have to trust that the Lord's going to fight for us. And folks, there's a need to get out there in Fort Loramie. And we need people to be on guard. What do I mean by that? Well, we need some folks praying. Pray. Just pray. Pray for Minster. Pray for Fort Laramie. Pray for New Bremen. Pray for New Knoxville. 
Pray for St. Henry and Coldwater, anything that's even nearly close to us to reach out to them. The St. Mary's area. Let's just pray. Pray. I want to tell you, prayer does more often than us just sitting around and talking about it. Let's pray about it. Let's see what God has in store. So these men and these women, well, they had to trust God to fulfill his plan. And so what did they do as servants? They stayed on duty. They did their job. They went out and did what God had called them to do. And by the way, this is not a time to lay down our weapon. This is a time to pick up our weapon. Amen. This is a time to be strengthened. And by the way, I share with you, when I go out, I, 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 and I, I share the same with you, I hope you're what I call prayed up. <laughs> Don't be uh, hurried up. Be prayed up. Take a moment and pray and say, Lord, as we go out and we knock on these doors on Saturday, would you please open them up for us? Don't say, Lord, I hope nobody's home. <laughs> Lord, I hope somebody's there. And God, not only that, that we may win some soul to Christ. Asking God to really open it up, trusting him to do that. And be ye not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't let anything else control you. Don't let your, your heart control you. Let God control you. And say, God, help me to be filled with the Spirit as we go out. By the way, folks, it takes effort to win the loss. How many of you understand that tonight? It takes effort to win the loss, especially today. I remember being over in Loudoun in the 90s over there, and man, it seemed like people were just open to it. And we could go up and we could knock on doors and people would invite us in. And man, sometimes you go out now and it's cold. It takes a lot to win the loss. And sometimes it's not having told them just once about it. Sometimes you've got to talk to people about it multiple times. How many of you are continuing to pray for Mary over to Marathon for me? Huh? I think the doors are breaking down. God's going to let something enter into that lady's life, and I believe God's going to let me win her to Christ. <laughs> and the thing of it is, it takes more than once sometimes to talk to somebody. And, and, and we have to stay after it. We have to stay. And you know what that takes? Faith. You know what that takes? We have to trust God. God wants souls to be saved. If I were to ask my Father in heaven right now, what is the most important thing to my heavenly Father? He would say the souls of the lost. <laughs> Why? Because that's what his son died for. And boy, if we want to be interested in what God's interested in, let's be interested in the lost. Let's be interested in winning the lost to Christ Jesus. Age, not a factor. Wealth, not a factor. Status, not a factor. Power, not a factor. All I know is Jesus Christ died for all. And all that will trust in him will go to heaven for eternity with him. We can't allow what we see to affect what we do. We have to be driven by faith and not by sight. It takes effort. It's not always a first time meeting. I believe it's this. I believe it's a consistent, consistent talk about the gospel. We cannot give up on the truth, and we can't give in to tactics, but we have to be Christians, and we need to reach the lost. And, and listen, it requires us to testify of Jesus Christ. It's not just about watch my life. Part of that is watch my life. I believe that with all my heart. People are watching you, folks. When I go out into the town, people know who you are. They know you folks by name. And when I knock on doors, it's not like they're ignorant of people. Knocked on a door the other day, was talking to a gentleman. He goes, I work with Bill Sloan. Great. Bill's testimony matters, does it not? Bill's testimony matters, does it not? So does yours. And the thing of it is, is when I knock on a door and they tell me who they know, is it going to be good? It's going to be a testimony that they could say, 
yeah, Pastor, I wouldn't mind coming over there. You know that individual? Yeah. Yeah, Pastor, they show godliness in their life. Yeah, Pastor, that, that person, I know them. And I know their testimony. Would your testimony speak of that? Would your testimony be such that it would draw another to Christ Jesus as we go and knock on doors? I challenge you tonight. It's not religion, but it's faith. It's the price that Jesus paid. You know what it's believing? It's believing Acts 4.12. <laughs> it's believing that neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none under name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be what? We must be saved. That's believing that. It's believing Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone to believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's believing that. Not being ashamed of your gospel. It's believing that for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Listen, but, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. To the world, it's foolishness. To us, it's the power of God. You know, it's believing that be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. It's believing that. Not being ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You know, Paul says in that passage, he says, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. They despised Christ so much, they crucified him. They despised the disciples so much that many of them were crucified or they were killed in some ungodly fashion beheaded and such. I mean, just you go back and read it. And the worst thing that happens to us most of the time, get out of here. <laughs> and that keeps us away forever. I don't want to stand here and say tonight that I got it down because I don't. But boy, I want us to get it on out there in the community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to go as a church family, we need some praying men and women to be on guard, and we need some people to go. Heads are bowed.